0: hello everyone welcome to the podcast floor is rising i am sabertooth and with me is kizu i'm a professional nft collector and kizu is a professional art critic on this podcast we talk deeply about the business of creating collecting and analyzing nfts so if you are a creator or collector of nfts or you want to be jump in the water's warm Welcome everyone to another episode of Floyd's Rising with us today's special guest, Denzel, aka Denny. He's a very, very famous collector on Hick at Nunk. Famous for also shit posting on Twitter. Welcome, Denzel to the
1: show. Thank you for having me. Tell us, Denzel, how did you get into NFTs? I wish I could lie to you and say I had a more altruistic <laughs> entry, but um I've been in crypto now for about 10 years and I just saw it about a year ago. Really taking off. I've had my eye on it since pumps and stuff, but I saw it about a year ago. Uh just initially as a way to you know try to make a little bit extra ETH in this uh space. A little that I know I'd fall in love with it and the art side and whatnot, but originally I came uh just to make a little bit extra money.
0: Okay, so hold on. So did you say that you've been in crypto for like 10 years? That means like
1: 2011 Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was real, real early. Tell us the story about that i'm not I'm not sure legally how much you want me to say but back in college i i you know i may have been using bitcoin for different stuff on the internet that was uh around at that time to be purchased with bitcoin and uh, oh, I, I wouldn't say i was really into crypto but i just happened to uh to be dabbling in it and then i kind of forgot about it for about five years as i uh wasn't doing that anymore and then uh 2016 rolled around and I saw Bitcoin take off and I was like, hold on, I think I remember that. And I uh, opened up my wallet and I had a very pleasant surprise. And then I actually got into it. So I really got into it around 2015, 2016. But uh, I did buy back in about 2011, my first handful of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I think we'll. <laughs> I think I'll we'll skip past those initial periods, although I think, I think the statute of limitations should should be up.
1: I don't know how far you guys want to go into you know, that kind of content, so I always just tiptoe around it, but that's the true story. So I also, you know, I said I was an open book. I'm not going to lie to you.
0: I mean, look, to, to be honest, right, I mean, only two <laughs> kinds of people were into it back then, right? Either people who, who, were, <laughs> who were using the utility of Bitcoin, um, as it was back then, or people who were very sort of libertarian sort of minded and that very politically minded, right? I mean, those were the, kind of the only two people who were back into it back then.
1: And it was about a 90-10 split.
0: Um, so you mentioned like, you know, when, when you got into crypto sort of the second time that you, you were sort of around when um, punks and, and probably kiddies were, were just launching. Um, what was your thoughts about NFTs back then like when you were
1: sort of first looking at it? Without the, uh, the fear of being canceled, I, I thought they were dumb. <laughs> I did not I did not get it in 2015 2016 when I first, when I saw uh, the CryptoKitties and the CryptoPunks I I'm not going to lie to you I uh I did not get it initially. And, didn't didn't take long for me to uh to come around on them. Okay. But uh first thought was this is just some ugly pixel art and some ugly cats I don't really I don't see the appeal. And then you start looking more into the technology side. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I get it. I don't. I still don't understand these two projects. To this day, I'm not sure. I'm going to sit here and lie to you and say I really still understand those two projects. But uh, I get NFTs now.
2: Okay. When you say you don't understand, you think you don't really understand them, do, are you referring more to the aesthetics of it or the historical significance as such, given that obviously the they were early for, for PFP projects and the kind of community that of collectors that kind of gathered around them kind of conferred
1: 100% the aesthetics. I want, I completely understand now today, actually, I should of kind of like fumbled my words there. I get it now. The historical relevance, the community, like you said, punks are the number one. They always will be at this point and they're always going to be looked at that way. And there'll be a historical relevance and a utility just in that fact alone. It was more originally when it came out. I did not under I, the art, the art style. So, hundred percent aesthetically was uh, more what I was talking about. Because, like you said, community wise and historically, they are entrenched now forever as as being the one.
2: Right, right. I mean, I'm very curious about that because I I agree with you on that point. Like, I still can't understand why. Why did the stoned animal thing become a thing? It's not just because the first of those. PFP projects was, you know, a stolen animal. And, and then we had all the other animals in its way because it, it cleared, I guess it paved the way for that, that style of meme. But like in the first place, why was it a board ape, for example? Why was it a kitty? I guess that's my art historical kind of like curiosity kicking in. And, and, and personally, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really find that the maybe the most compelling? I mean, given that there's so many to choose from right now.
0: I'll take an attempt to answer like why the pixel art is so compelling. My personal thesis is that that's the exact point, like meaning the, the history of crypto is one of basically antagonism, right? Crypto is always looking for basically a boogeyman. So when Nakamoto made Bitcoin, in the white paper, in in the very first block, the, the the antagonist is to the traditional financial system, right? And if you look at every single crypto made since then, it's always been sort of antagonistic towards Wall Street, towards sort of the traditional system. And I think it's in the DNA of sort of crypto projects, hence inherited in NFT projects, that the project that's going to become historically significant is not something that is accepted by the by kind of the traditional art establishment, right? The, the very fact that it just looks so shit to, to so many people <laughs> is what makes it, like, great as a representation, right? Like, I think people who own punks and all the NFT projects that people call ugly, they thrive on the fact that, hey, I own this rock that's worth millions and, and that people are just going to go crazy over. It. That's basically the point. Like, this is the this is the utility. To, it's kind of the, the troll, the chitster, to just rile up people, basically. That's what I think uh, part of it is, you know, because th- th- there was tons of stuff before CryptoPunks, right? You know, on California Yeah, Punks actually stuff isn't stuff. the first. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, but none of them really kind of, had that trolling potential that punks did.
2: You know, there's this hip hop thing and I like hip hop. You know, you have to, obviously the signature things like the ski mask, the propeller hat, the the Cuban chain and stuff like that. So with EVO, like, it's something that's quite, it could be you in real life. It could actually resemble you. It could actually be a fashion statement that you may or may not wear, but you admire, for example. So like, I think it's coming closer to real life. If that makes sense. I'm not sure if that's the best way to put it. Was that kind of choice of fit, was it an intentional move in order to potentially capture the audience that thought it was dope or something like that? Like, What was your thought process in arriving at that kind of
1: combination
2: of, of accessories?
1: I have no uh, connection with the actual project. I had no say in that. I had no input in that. I'm just a huge fan of that project. That actually had nothing to do with my particular say or input. Oh, okay.
2: I thought it was something that you were kind of like, it it was your influence that, because subsequently, I guess, that you got on board with it.
1: No, no. Pe- one could think that from how much I post about it and whatnot, but no, I am actually just a a one hundred percent super fan. That that kind of aesthetic is something that resonates with you, or one hundred percent, like you said. Uh, there's just something about that baby in a ski mask character and the uh, the whole hip hop vibe to the entire uh, project that just really connects with me at my core, and it did from day one, from the second I saw evolve the first time there was just something about it that I said wow that just there's something different and special about this in the sea of you know hundreds of thousands of pictures that I was scrolling through at the time that I just it just jumped out immediately and uh, definitely connected with me
0: right i think this is the trans- transformation that sort of a lot of people go through when they enter the nft sort of space that I think everyone kind of comes in when you don't know anything about it, just attracted by the amount of money you can make, right? But not just collectors, but artists as well. And then when you're getting to the space and being inside, there's a kind of a transformation that happens with, with some people where, you know, they kind of identify with it. And, you know, you've, you've been through that in the sense that... And I want to explore, like, how did that kind of happen? Like, I'm, I'm sure the finding sort of the the evils, um, Kid 8 was, was part of that. But can you talk us through, like, how how you went from coming in just to make the bucks to sort of now where you, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're doing your own collabs um, on all sorts of platforms. Um, you're like a super fan of uh, g Vols and Kid a, and you're definitely like uh, uh, on on the Hen platform, uh, a
1: big influencer. As weird as it is to say, the the one thing I can credit for the change would, uh, would actually be shitposting. Uh, when, when I decided that I was here for more than just the money and I wanted to have fun in this space, and that's when I really started connecting with people on another level. Yeah. You know, everyone likes to see nice pictures and, you know, it was fun sharing them and whatnot, but it wasn't really until I started making jokes and making people laugh and people making me laugh that we started connecting on another level. And then I really fell in love with this space and that's when I really became more than just somebody here for the money, I became a member of the community who actually really loved everything about it. More than just, you know, the money and the art. I love the people and the conversations that were happening in the space. So uh, as weird as it is to say, it did start with uh, when I just decided to make the switch into a shit posting.
0: That's amazing because you, I mean, you're like a crypto OG. You've been in the space so long. Is it, were you ever like, it posting on on like general crypto Twitter or was it just this sort of NFT persona that you kind of did that that really drew you in
1: Oh no I've been uh, I've been shit posting on, uh, on crypto Twitter for quite some time under a uh, under a few different accounts over the years right and uh, oh same thing with NFTs Twitter is actually one of the best resources if you're uh, researching different projects and stuff so you kind of had to be there. But uh, when I came to NFTs, I saw a different vibe than the, uh, originally I saw a different um, vibe than the, uh, than the crypto community. It was a lot less jokey and trolly. So I, I kind of left the ship hosting at the door when I uh, started my NFT journey. And then I uh, I noticed that I was wrong. There was definitely a, a market or a niche there for it and people looking to have a good time and make some jokes. And that's when I, uh, I, I dusted them off and brought them back out. But no, I've been uh cracking jokes on Twitter in some degree for quite some time.
0: Do you still maintain like multiple personas, like your NFT persona and your sort of crypto Twitter persona? Like, do, do you still maintain multiple personas?
1: Uh, no, I'm more just, uh, I go on the uh, the crypto one for mainly research purposes. But now that this one, none, uh, prior to this year, right. all my accounts combined could have been summed up to be like, you know, Maybe 2000 people combined. It was easy to juggle a couple of different ones. But uh, now that Denzel has uh, some serious traction, now he's it's the only one I use. It's too much fun to actually have people to talk to and interact with as opposed to just kind of ship hosting into the ether by myself. So,
2: do you think that maybe like Hen will actually become? No, not just like artists moving over and collectors, but that ETH will, if the gas fees don't go down soon, will become this like graveyard of like all money and like all speculators, all hedge fund people and stuff. Whereas HEN will be like the creative like playground. Like how do you see that play out in the next one, two years, for example?
1: If ETH 2.0 doesn't start delivering on all the things that they said that ETH 2.0 would deliver on in terms of reducing the fees and whatnot, I do think within the next year or two that they're at jeopardy of losing at least the NFT market. I don't think they'll lose their spot as number two. I don't think they'll lose their DeFi market because at the end of the day, the fees are worth it for the extra security. But I don't think you need that high level of security when you're talking about something like art NFTs as you are when you're talking about digital finance. And so I love NFTs, but it doesn't require the same level of security. So if ETH can't figure out the fees on their end, it's not worth it to pay three, $400 a transaction just for the, a little extra security. So I do think people will start looking elsewhere and Hen is so deeply entrenched. I think right now as the number two, that if he does completely drop the ball, which isn't off the table because we're about a year in now to ETH 2.0. And I really haven't seen any difference on the fee side. And I'm not an ETH hater. ETH is my my number one crypto holding. I wish nothing but as much as I have known for being on-hand and that's where I built my name and stuff. People think I'm an ETH hater and I make a lot of jokes and stuff just cuz it's so easy with the you know, with the current state of ETH. But I actually love ETH and want it to survive, but uh if they don't if they, if ETH 2.0 can't come through and and handle uh, mainly their fee issues that they're having yet, yeah, I think they're at jeopardy of of losing the NFT market.
0: How did you uh, get into Hen? Because, as you said, like your number one sort of holding is, is ETH, and definitely if you're if you're an OG, you would have um, you you would have been on ETH first, and um, probably only discovered Tezos after sort of Hen became more popular. But how did you make the decision to do the majority of your sort of
1: NFT collecting on Hen? As bad as the ETHs are now, they were actually even worse at one point over the early summer, late spring. And uh, I had gotten really, that was about the time where I was getting really into all aspects of NFTs. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stop then, but I couldn't afford to buy on ETH anymore when it was literally about, you know, 0.1 in transaction fees for to buy an NFT. It just wasn't financially feasible, but I still had that itch where I needed to, uh, I needed to buy some JPEGs. And that was right around the time where uh, Hen was really starting to pick up and, I was I saw it bubbling and I figured it was a great uh, place to give a ch- shot and one night I went over there and I just kind of started playing around and I was hooked ever since. I bought like 200 NFTs that first night for the price of like one ETH transaction and uh, it just became a way to kind of just scratch my addiction while I waited for ETH fees to uh, come down and balance out a little bit and then they didn't and I just got more and more addicted and more and more great artists kept popping up and more and more great projects and then it just became less and less of a real reason for me to even keep an eye on ETH, and I wound up deeply entrenched with uh, over a thousand objects over there on hand. We're sort of in the middle of a
0: sort of NFT bear market. What's your view on it? And uh, what I mean, what are you doing during the bear market? Are you, are you continuing to um, to buy? Uh, are you holding off? How long do you think it's going to be? I mean, give, give us some hot takes on uh, what do you think is going to going to happen.
1: NFT bear market hot takes. Uh, we're pretty much screwed for, till the end of the year. we're not coming back before the end of the year, which is fine. This is healthy. all markets uh, go up and down. It'd be it'd be bad if it only was up, up up only forever. It's nice and healthy that it's coming down a little bit but uh, and it has really nothing to do with the technology or anything. It's just as crypto goes up, it's a natural trader psychology you're going to be less likely to uh to part with your with your crypto and more people are going to want actual crypto as opposed to NFTs as crypto is going up. And as the reverse happens and NFTs are going down and crypto is going up, more people are going to want in on the crypto. So it's just going to create kind of more of a waterfall effect where more and more people keep selling off their NFTs. But to me, it doesn't do anything about the, it doesn't say anything about the underlying technology or anything. A year, two year, five year, you know, projection, I'm still extremely bullish on NFTs. I just think it could be a rough six months between now, kind of, and uh, in tax season. End of the year is always rough for uh, for crypto and the markets and whatnot. And considering it seems like it's going to be a bull run for the end of crypto this year, I think that could mean a a, a little bear run for the end of NFTs. But all in all, it doesn't concern me one bit. It's just a short term price movement. But hot take is not going to be pretty between now and twenty twenty
0: two. Let's talk about more of the the artists on. Um on hen that, that, that you collect. What's attracted to you? What, who do you like? I guess share with us uh, some of your favorite artists and, and and why you like them.
1: Some of my favorite artists on hen. I have to go with uh, Block. Dalek, obviously, I'm partial to, as I have a collection with him. I'm going to sound really dumb right now because I don't know how to pronounce actually a couple of these people's names, but they deserve a shout out. Uh, the skeleton guy, Kiz... Kiz Kilos... Hey, I, 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 <laughs> yeah okay thank you that's about the best i've ever heard it pronounced uh <laughs> i'm a, i re, i i know it doesn't seem like it because i have no idea how to pronounce his name but that's just because i read these names on twitter all day i really love his work von doyle lawrence fuller there's a there's a whole slew of great artists over there that i could uh, i could keep going for hours
0: how do you evaluate artists like let's say an artist that you've never seen before you see their work. I mean, there's an immediate sort of visceral reaction you have to it. How much of that plays into your decision to to buy or or not to buy, and what else? What other things play into it? Like, are you sort of considering it for a while, or is it just like spur of the moment? You see something you like, you immediately buy it. Like, give us an idea as to how how you think about sort of collecting.
1: I would say ninety, uh, seriously, ninety five percent of my buying process. At least on hen, where the prices are you know generally cheaper and stuff, and I don't have to debate it as much, it really just comes down to uh at that at that moment when I see it, do I like it or not? And then the last five percent would really just be how much does it cost? does it seem like it's worth it? you know how many additions and stuff. But the by far number one factor for me is just that first initial look at it, does it have that wow factor? does it really connect with me? Um, things really, you know, I really couldn't put into words, just kind of more uh, a feel kind of thing.
2: Do you think that the celebrities and influencers in that space, in this space, are going to to take the place of um, the art historians and the experts and the the kind of, maybe like even like art media, the critics? Do you think it's going to be a very like celebrity influencer led, opinion wise, like led space? Or do you think that there's a chance that, you know, at some point there might be, you know, like maybe like a DAO-based mechanism where stakeholders or people who are, you know, really embedded in the community take action to try and like construct a, not really an art history. I mean, part of it it is like cataloging what's happening, but also like in terms of, um, you know, kind of rallying behind and justifying the value and the historical significance of certain projects in a way that doesn't just, you know, thrive on the fire and forget culture on Twitter, even Discord. How do you see that kind of like long-term
1: validation panning out? I'd really like to tell you that I see the second way where a group of people that are in the space and spend enough time in the space kind of come together and start setting it but the fact of the matter is it's probably going to be the first one where it is celebrity driven and you're 100% right. Celebrities are going to replace art historians and whatnot. It's not going to be what a critic or something says it's going to be about which, what a profile picture the Jenner is rocking at the time or whatnot, whether you like it or not. That is even outside of NFTs. That's just the way the world works now. And I would like to see it shift away from it, but I don't see it shifting away from it. So I have to, I have to, play the game accordingly. And yeah, I definitely foresee that celebrities are going to be the market makers in this space moving forward. It's going to be, everybody's going to want, it's the reason celebrities have so much, uh, it's the reason why any company is willing to throw millions of dollars at a celebrity for from, from marketing campaigns is because people want what the celebrities have. So if you take any big name celebrity and they buy any particular project, that that project is going to be more sought after than, than others, it's just the uh, it's the new the, it's the way the game is played now with uh, social media and Twitter and whatnot. So I definitely foresee that being how uh, projects are uh, valued. Not maybe exclusively, but it's definitely going to be a large part of the value of projects moving forward. I would think. I think uh, internet personalities and, and such like that really thrive. Is is defining the new stuff. Celebrities are really good at pushing things once they're discovered such as the apes and the punks but you don't see them deep in open sea and rareable searching for you know the newly minted project that's where you need your more specialized experts so i think they'll both exist in almost equal numbers because but they'll more just serve different they'll serve different needs for the community
0: where do you want to take Denzel? like like, for example, it's it's blown up. You're like a uh, Denzel is a, is a thing now, right? So you, you said you quit your job. So how do you view this sort of Denzel career that you, that you have, I guess? Like this is now your new career, sort of like a like maybe a part-time career, but it is kind of like a career. What, what do you want to do with it?
1: If there's one thing I've learned from my 15 plus unsuccessful Twitter accounts and numerous other <laughs> unsuccessful endeavors is I'm not, There's nowhere I want to take it. When I start doing things for the end goal and for reasons other than just enjoying doing it in the moment is when things never work out for me. You know, I've had a million different ideas and projects and things I wanted to do and they just never went off or never took off. I had zero plan for Denzel. It was just, it was a joke. I started it just for fun to make myself laugh. And it just kind of took off from there. So the one thing I learned is to just do it just for the love of it. And that's just kind of what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep doing whatever I wake up and makes me laugh in that morning. makes other people laugh. I'm going to keep on doing. If it's not working, I'll get rid of it. But I have no real plans for it because that just, for for me personally, that seems to be when things go off the rails and don't seem to work. The authenticity of just randomly whatever comes to me at the moment is kind of what made Denzel the character and persona that he is so luckily i kind of built that in where that works for me in the character where i don't really have to have plans no one's looking to me for a roadmap or anything <laughs> but uh i i don't have one and i don't plan on having one because it's never worked out for me having a plan so i'm just kind of enjoying it as it goes along and just trying to keep and keep doing that day by day till the wheels fall off so Danny, who's your favorite artist
0: You can't say kid eight. You you can't say kid eight. Say someone else. I
1: can't say kid eight. Oh, you you told me the question beforehand. You didn't tell me I wasn't going to be able to use the golden answer that you knew was coming. Oh, not kid eight, not kid eight. This is tough. This is really tough. Because everyone knows Um, you're going to say kid eight. so,
0: So we have to force you to say someone not kid eight.
1: It would... If I if choosing one that's not Kid Eight is tough. I'll give you three. Okay. Uh, like I said, Toklof, Lucrece, and uh, the one I can't pronounce. Kizlowski. Kiz. Yeah. Uh, th- those those three would be a three way tie, right behind Kid Eight. Denzel,
0: Denny, thank you for
1: joining us on this episode
0: of Floyd's Rising. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor Is Rising. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor Is Rising. You can reach out to us, send us a question, or just send us a DM on Twitter at Floor
2: Is Rising.